Okertov, good morning. Welcome to our Aliyah day. Glad that you're with us. It is the fifth day of the week, and we are in Parashah Tetzave. It's a wonderful Parashah, a beautiful Parashah, and it's a beautiful day. It's bright, sunny outside. I hope you're having a, a, a wonderful day wherever you are. We have people who uh, tune in from all over the world. So even if you're in Finland, we hope that you're having a beautiful day. Probably 10 feet of snow on the ground, but in Finland, that's a day at the beach. Sometimes, literally. So glad that you're with us. Baruch Hashem. As I said, it's been a wonderful uh, parasha study thus far. And we are going to continue on the beautiful journey, looking at the uh, parasha Tetzave. We are in the Art School Humash on page 477, chapter 29. The fifth Aliyah begins in uh, verse 19. However, I want to go back in time just for a second and read something from the first Aliyah. This is a wonderful insight in the uh, Sefer Putuche Chotam. And let me just turn here, if you don't mind, for a moment. Pardon. There we are. Okay. So I want to begin uh, going all the way back to chapter 27 and verse 20, where it says, You shall command the children of Israel, and they shall take for you pure oil, pressed for illumination, to kindle a perpetual lamp. This is uh, obviously going back to the first Aliyah. We're talking about the oil for the menorah. And it's just a wonderful insight, so here it goes. He says, As we know in Shabbat 101b, and with Rashi's commentary, Every righteous person, that is one who learns Torah with pure motives and performs good deeds for the sake of Shemayim, for the sake of heaven, has within him a spark of Moshe Rabbeinu's soul. For example, we find in the Gemara that one sage said to another, Moshe, you have said well, even though his name was not Moshe. It means instead that he has within him the spark of Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore, we can understand the verse this way. You shall command the children of Israel, and they shall take for you. In other words, command the children of Israel that they, with great care and zeal, should take you, that spark from your soul, that shall be contained within them. They will accomplish this by cleaving to the Shekinah, as the verse explains. Incidentally, the Midrash also talks about in another place, that when we, when we take the Torah, so to speak, we are taking Hashem. Why? Because the Torah and Hashem are one and the same. Shemen, oil. This alludes to the Shekinah. Why? Because the word Shemen, oil, has the numerical value of 390, which is the same as Ha Shekinah. That is the Shekinah. A person cleaves to the Shekinah through his good deeds and Torah learning. As the verse continues, Zayitzan, pure oil. The word Zayit, the word Zayit means olive, has the numerical value of 417, which is the sa same as Be which means with action, Be implying that one's actions must be of pure motive. They have to be of pure uh, a motive. And so it says, Beitit la Maor, pressed for illumination. A person should be pressed and bent with humility to occupy himself with learning Torah, which is called light. You know, uh, many people go through difficult things in life, 
And all of us have experienced that. Not all of our experiences are the same, but they all are pressings. We all go through the olive press. That produces, should produce, hopefully produces, humility, wisdom, compassion, empathy. We need all of those things in order to study Torah. You have to be crushed. You have to be pressed for illumination. Isn't that beautiful? That's what uh, Pituke Chotam says here. Katit la ma'or. You have to be pressed. Why? For illumination. So if you say, well, I wish I lived a life of ease. I wish I had no problems. And uh, Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, well, the only problem with that, if I don't press you, I can't get any oil for illumination. So it says, to kindle a perpetual flame, lachalot ner tamid, by learning Torah in such a way, a person will merit a perpetual lamp. In other words, to kindle the spiritual lights of the upper world and to unite them. We could also say, the word, the word lehalot, to kindle literally means to raise up, and the perpetual lamp presents the spark of holiness that we have been that has been trampled and dispersed throughout the world. Through a person's learning Torah and performing good deeds with pure motives, a person can extract these sparks and elevate them. Alternatively, this verse could mean when a person learns Torah and performs good deeds for the sake of heaven, when he sleeps at night, he merits that his that his ruach and neshama ascend to the upper worlds. The initials of ruach and neshama spell the word ner or lamp. They will ascend perpetually every night. So we study Torah, we study God's word, just like today. Right now you're you're sitting down with me, or maybe I'm driving in the car with you, or perhaps I'm uh, jogging a mile with you, or whatever I'm doing with you right now, we're studying Torah together. And as a result, when you lay down tonight in the merit of the Torah study that, that you're doing, your Ruach and the Shama will ascend the Shemayim. All right, one more verse. It says, Shemen Zayid Zan Ketith Lemaor. Pure olive oil pressed for illumination. The initial letters of pure olive oil are Sheen, Zayin, Zayin, and have a numerical value of 314, which is the same as Hashem's name, Shaddai. Furthermore, the last words were, or excuse me, last letters of pure press for illumination spell the word Keter, or crown. Pressed or crushed in human terms implies humility. This alludes to what the Talmud says in Sanhedrin 111b upon the verse, On that day the Lord of hosts will be a crown of joy, Yeshiyahu 28.5. It says you might think this crown will be for everyone. Therefore, the verse continues, for the remnant of his people. This crown will only be for a person who considers himself a remnant, that is, a humble person. The sages explain that in the future, Hashem will be a crown upon the heads of those who are righteous and humble, for there is no virtue, there is no virtue greater than humility. There is no virtue greater than humility. This must, this must also be accompanied by the proper safeguards of the Brit, the covenant. Now, this is going to be important because I'm going to be sharing a couple more things here from Putuke uh, Chotam. When it talks about guarding the Brit, guarding the covenant, the word Brit means covenant. But in this context, in the Jewish context, when it talks about safeguarding the Brit, it's talking about safeguarding the Brit Milah. 
safeguarding the covenant of circumcision. This is talking obviously about the male organ. So therefore, it is specifically talking about guarding against sexual sin. Now, I said the male organ. So if you are a lady, and there's many ladies who uh, listen to this broadcast every day, faithfully, and you might say, well, Brit, I don't have Brit Milah. Yes, you do. You just happen to be born that way, whereas a man had to be made that way. So it says, this is hinted at the words, Shemen Zayid Zan, Azach Slika. Pure olive oil, as the initial letters of the words Sheen, Zion, Zion have the numerical value of 314, as does the God's name Shaddai, a name that alludes to the Brit. So therefore, I wa- follow the uh, the bouncing ball. Remember the old uh, the old cartoons? It says that Shaddai and Brit are connected through Gematria. So the Brit talking about circumcision and, uh, and, and, and cutting off the foreskin, removal of that dead flesh, which by the way, Pirkei the Rabbi Eliezer says that one who separates himself from the foreskin has separated himself from the grave. That, that word, Brit, happens to have the same gematria as the word Shaddai, which is the uh, word that is put on every single mezuzah. Now, many mezuzot, you see, will have just the sheen on it, but the sheen is merely the letter that represents the word Shaddai. Some mezuzot have Shaddai on it, have, have it spelled out. But most have just the sheen. Nevertheless, every mezuzah is, is like Shaddai, which means that a man who's circumcised and a woman who's also circumcised because God made her that way when she was born, a little baby girl. You are a walking around mezuzah. But more importantly than even that, we're looking at bris milah, brit, the covenant, connected with the word Shaddai. Why? Because the name Memtet, as it's fully spelled out, is equal also to the name Shaddai, has the same gematria. Therefore, Memtet, who is Mashiach, from our point of view anyway, and Shaddai are one and the same, and that's directly connected to the Brit. So that one, when one becomes circumcised, they become likened to the image of Shaddai or likened to the image of Memtet, which have the same gematria. We come, become separated from the grave. All right, it gets better. Stick with me. Furthermore, the final letters of the word, Zak Ketit Le Maor, pure pressed for illumination, spell the word Keter. This hints to the following. If a person makes himself like an olive, that is, he's humble, pressed and trampled on by everyone, everybody's always walking on me. Everybody's always beating me down. No one's nice to me. Well, this is why he talks about, and you know, uh, some of the apostles wrote in their letters, rejoice, rejoice. Why? Because in the future, Hashem will be a crown for him. That is, provided that he safeguards the covenant. Safeguarding the Brit is considered a very, very, very important concept. Why is the Brit so important? 
Pituke Hotam. This is also uh, from, from his writings. Why is the Brit so important? Why is it so important that we protect this Brit? By the way, that's why uh, Yosef was considered such a Zadik, because he protected the Brit. He would not sleep with Potiphar's wife. And he was tempted. He was tempted. She was uh, probably a beautiful woman. I don't know. So it says here, second, the word Brit has the numerical value of 612, which is the same as Torah when one is added for the word itself. So Brit and Torah have the same numerical value. They also connected between uh, by gematria. Isn't it, see, again, I very often ask people to look beyond the veil, look beyond the uh, proverbial curtain in Oz, and find out, ask the question, why? Why is it that people fight against Brismillah so much? Even today, you know there's countries today that trying to outlaw bris, bris. There's cities in America trying to outlaw bris. There are campaigns. Uh, you see bumper stickers on occasion. It's been a long time since I've seen one, but I have seen them. Uh, trying to tell people, don't, don't circumcise your boys. Why? 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 What's, who cares? Really? I've been to um, many bris milah services, obviously. We've had probably a dozen at our synagogue. We have so many beautiful baby boys that have been born. And there's, you, you, you remove the foreskin of a little baby, and the only reason that the baby's crying is because he doesn't like to have uh, his little diaper taken off and, and, and to be held down. That's really the only reason. There's no, that's it. And so, anyway, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal spiritually, but I'm talking about in the physical realm. So why does everybody fight against it so bad? Because it's connected to Torah. Because ultimately it's a war against the word of God. This is why every despot in history, every dictator, every evil person in history, from uh, Martin Luther to Adolf Hitler to the Tsars, to the Caesars, to the Pharaohs, they all wanted the Jews not to keep Torah, not to keep the Sabbath, and not to keep the bris. Why? Because they're all connected. And what are they connected to ultimately? Shaddai. So it says here, it is also the numerical value of yirat, that is fear of, when one is added, and of gemilut chasadim, that is acts of kindness, when one is added. This indicates, <coughs> this indicates that even if a person has Torah and has fear of, of, of Hashem and has acts of kindness, if he does not safeguard the bris, that is, if he's not sexually pure, then his efforts are in vain. All right, another, another comment here. Also, one who safeguards the covenant is considered as alive. Pituke Chotam says this many times, that the one who guards his covenant, or guards the bris, is the one who's really considered to be a living person. It says here, now I want you to follow this for a second, because this is very intriguing. It says, the total numerical value of these three words, all right, talking about Shaddai, the divine name Yudke Vavke, 
and chai for life, the total numerical value of those three words is 358, which happens to be the same as the word choshen, which is breastplate. And as a result, what Putikei Holtem is saying is that the breastplate corresponds to the names Shaddai, Yudke, Vavke, and Chai, which uh, he makes an argument here that when it talks about you shall make a breastplate of judgment, that it's talking ultimately about the bris. Okay? So... What also has the value of 358? The answer is the word Moshiach. Moshiach has the value of 358. Now, did, didn't Yeshua say, did he not say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life? Yes, he did. Well, we have here 358 corresponds to these three names. I am the truth, that corresponds to Yudke Vavke, because Hashem is truth, Hashem is Emet. And when Yeshua is praying, he says, sanctify them by your truth, and your word is truth. And the sages say that when God gave us the Torah, he said, I wrote myself down and gave it to you. So the Torah is Hashem, the Torah is truth, Hashem is truth. When it talks about I am the way, this corresponds to Shaddai. Why? Because the numerical value of Shaddai is the same as Memtet. And the name Memtet literally means the teacher of the way. And when it says, Chai, I am the way, the truth, and the life, then that obviously corresponds to the word Chai, which is also a part of 358. And all of this corresponds to the breastplate which contains the names of the tribes of Israel. So therefore, if you want to be in the way, the truth, and the life, then you better be in Israel. You better be in one of the 12 tribes. Therefore, you would be on the, upon the chest of the Kohen, who himself is a Mashiach, going before the Hashem of the Holy of Holies. Isn't that beautiful? All of you out there are saying yes, and it is. So it says the word Hoshin, breastplate, may be arranged to, to spell. Now listen to this. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous of God, right? The word Hoshin, breastplate, may be rearranged to spell Nachash. Now Nachash, the gematria of Nachash is also 358, which is also the gematria of uh, Moshiach. Why? This is the reason that Moshe took the copper serpent and put it on a pole and said, look at this and you'll live. Because the serpent and Mashiach are connected in the sense that Mashiach had to become the serpent in order to deliver us from the poison. He who knew no sin had to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. But anyway, it continues. When one is added for the word itself, it has the numerical value of 359, which is the same as Satan, cursed be he. This alludes to the words of the sages. If a person blemishes the Brit, God forbid, he is marked inside and out with the Satan and the serpent, while the holy names of Hashem depart from him, and his punishment is great both in this world and the next. Tikkun 66a. This is the significance of the word judgment referring to the breastplate. <clears throat> Therefore, 
a person must be exceedingly careful to safeguard the Brit in order that the strangers, that is, the Satan, curse be he, and the serpent, do not enter his domain. This is why in, in uh, Judaism in general, we have uh, the custom of uh, Shomenagiyah, uh, where we don't shake hands with the opposite sex. We don't hug the opposite sex. sex Unless, of course, there are daughters or wives or sisters or whatever, or mothers. That's why. It's all about guarding. It's about putting up a fence. Because this is such an important area to guard. In the Midrash Rabbat Tetzave 38.8, it says, another interpretation. This is the matter. This is another interpretation of, of the phrase, this is the matter, which is found, of course, in our Torah portion here. It says, with what merit would Aaron enter the Holy of Holies? Rabbi Hanina, the son of Rabbi Yishmael, said he would enter in the merit of circumcision. He would enter in the merit of circumcision. Now, many people in the Western mind would say, wait a minute, I thought we entered in the merit of Yeshua. I thought we entered in the merit of the blood of Yeshua. And here it's talking about circumcision. And Rabbi just got through saying that circumcision is likened to Torah. Circumcision is likened to the fear of heaven. Circumcision is likened to uh, Shaddai and Yudke Vavke and Chai. Circumcision is, is likened to acts of kindness. So listen, are we entering into the Holy of Holies based on the merit of Messiah Yeshua, based on the merit of the blood of Messiah Yeshua, or are we entering into the Holy of Holies on the based of the merit of the Torah, or the merit of circumcision, or the merit of the fear of God, or the merit of uh, acts of kindness? And the answer is yes. Because they're all one and the same. Yeshua is the Torah. When we have the, the circumcision, we have accepted the Mashiach. This is the whole point why gematria is so important. And it says here in the in the notes of the um, of the uh, Midrash Rabbah here, talking about when we're entering into the Holy of Holies, we're entering into a realm of 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 wonderful spiritual nature, and we have to transcend that. So it says holiness. He explains is the state of separation. From materiality, from the body and its drives, from the forces of nature, both key features of the physical world. As the holiness, as the as the holiest location on earth, the holy of holies epitomizes that separation. Is a it is a world apart, a heavenly outpost on earth. What merit then could possibly allow the Kohen Gadol, a physical human being anchored in the material world, to enter a place of such sublime sanctity? One answer is the merit of circumcision. This mitzvah lifts the body out of its natural state in which it is contaminated by the foreskin and raises those who bear it still above the physical world and the forces of nature. This is why it is permitted on the eighth day, or excuse me, performed on the eighth day of one's life, whereas the number seven represents the physical world created as it was in seven days. The number eight represents the realm beyond that world, a realm, a realm unvulgarized by materiality and unfettered by natural laws. 
We've got to go beyond. To circumcise is to go beyond, to go beyond the flesh, to go beyond the natural order. This is, this is why the sages talk about Israel. They say Israel is not, is not bound by natural law. That doesn't mean that natural law doesn't affect us. It just means that we're not limited to that. We have the power through prayer. We have the power through a relationship with Hashem to see natural order change for our good, for our benefit. And the sages make a, a statement over and over and over again that those who are of the goyim, that is, they're uncircumcised, do not have that advantage, period. This is why if you want to believe in the Messianic Gentile, the uncircumcised Gentile, if you want to believe in the uh, Noahide, that's fine. But I'm just telling you that from a Jewish point of view, they don't have the covenant like Jews do, period. So why would you want that? You know, who wants to buy? Listen, if, if someone comes up to you and says, listen, you can have the... Uh, you can have the Dodge uh, Ram pickup truck fully loaded, everything in it, Laramie package, limited edition, 100% everything, top of the line. Or you can have the one that's the uh, stripped down model. You still got to roll up the windows the old fashioned way. It has an AM FM stereo with cassette player. Um, you know, it has a, you know, it has vinyl seats, whatever, stick shift, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can have it both are free. You take your pick and you choose the one that's stripped down. Whose fault is that? Then you complain, hey, my, I have to roll down my window. What are you talking about? I can't listen to HD radio. Serious, forget it. I'm still looking for, I'm still looking for cassette tapes. Who, who would choose that? It just boggles my mind. I don't know. Somebody out there would choose it, though, apparently. <clears throat> All right. A couple more things from this, um, from this uh, portion I wanted to share. Uh, sorry, I was looking for something else. There it is. It says in verse 4 of, this is from yesterday's Aliyah, actually, from verse 29, excuse me, chapter 29, verse 4. I just wanted to share this about the mikvah, since we are in the process of building a mikvah, right? Which I pray that every one of you is giving their best, best additional offering to the mikvah. And you should uh, pray about becoming a life giver. This is my, this is my shameless plug for the mikvah giving. You should become a life giver, $150 a month in addition to your regular tithes and offerings. Give it to the mikvah. Do it for 12 months. Become a life giver. It's $1,800 at the end of 12 months. And you have done a, a huge mitzvah for the mikvah. And I'm about to read an insight here because it talks about in this Torah portion of yesterday's Aliyah about how we mikvah the priest. And this is the significance of the mikvah. Some of you know this, but hey, that's, it's, it's a great reminder. So it says, and you shall immerse them in water. And by the way, our mikvah is going to be a kosher, bor al gabai bor mikvah, 100% kosher, 100%, not sparing any expense or cutting any corners. We're not talking about building a, uh, a pool outside. We're talking about building a fully enclosed mikvah, just like every Jew Jewish community has. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Okay, here we go. And you shall immerse them in water. Rashi explains that the whole body was immersed in water. This is the first, first instance of such purification. This is the first instance, uh, Rabbi Monk says, of this type of purification. So it all goes back. The first one to be mikvah was the priest. Since the dawn of time, immersion has been the symbol of regeneration. Indeed, the mikvah ritual bath not only affects a physical cleansing, 
but it also implicitly provides a purification of the moral being. The act of immersion signifies the shedding of one's physical nature and thereby brings about a true moral change in the person. This renewal is equivalent to a spiritual rebirth, and that is why immersion takes place at the start of important new stages and the lives of Jewish men and women. For that same reason, the consecration of the Kohanim for their new duties is distinguished by the act of immersion. There are many people uh, who are of various um, bendings in the, in, the, in the religious world, whether it's Christian or Hebrew roots or whatever, and they are opposed, so they think, to Torah, or excuse me, to oral Torah. Um, and I just want to point out that if you are somebody who believes in water baptism, you are a follower of the oral Torah, because that's where it comes from. Immersion in a bath for ritual purity, which is what water immersion is all about, comes directly from the, from the oral tradition that says everyone should be immersed in water. Why? Because that's how the priest was sanctified and was consecrated and was, in effect, born again. Therefore, when you enter into the water of the, uh, of the mikvah and you come up out of the water, you are born anew. That's where the whole... I'm telling you that um, when you study about uh, the mitzvah of conversion, the phrase born again, the phrase a new creation, all of that comes from the ceremony of conversion and specifically the ceremony of immersion in a mikvah. This is the power of the mikvah. The power of the mikvah is to transform people, to cause them to be born again, to cause them to become a new creation. And can I just say, and, and in all seriousness, if you're someone who contributes to the building of the mikvah, you are contributing to people being transformed, being born again, becoming new creations. Every single dollar you contribute to the mikvah building, I'm just telling you right now, I know it sounds like a pitch, but it's not. I mean, it is in a way, but every single dollar that you contribute, you are contributing to the transformation of lives. And guess what? This mikvah, with God's help, will be around long before we're all gone. Or long after, I should say. We're all gone. Slika. I meant to say after we're gone. If Yeshua doesn't uh, come, this mikvah will still be there. And our grandchildren and grand great-grandchildren and people we don't even know will be still being transformed by the waters of that mikvah that you contributed to. And therefore, you have a direct connection to that mitzvah. Every lady that goes to the mikvah to be immersed in those holy waters, when it's, it's her time, and she, she comes up out of the water, and she's reunited with her husband, and they, they beget children who become Torah scholars, and gabais, and rabbis, and hazans, and, and uh, people in the marketplace who are changing lives and changing the world. Your dollars that you spent in, uh, in contributing to that mikvah has now become a direct connection to that whole family, that whole universe. Think about it. How wonderful, how amazing. And it's all about renewal. It's all about transformation. It's all about um, 
It's all about what we've been talking about. Removing ourselves from our flesh and guarding our, our covenant, guarding our, our bris. Well, that was a lot of information. We didn't even get to read the uh, whole fifth aliyah, but I encourage you to do so. You can read it in chapter 29 from verse 19 all the way through to um, verse uh, 37. Tomorrow, there's more to share, still more to share, even from this aliyah. But we'll get to it with God's help tomorrow as we explore the sixth and seventh aliyah of Tetzaveh. I hope that you have a beautiful, wonderful, and amazing day. Thank you. Seriously, thank you for joining me. It's a joy to have so many people who are watching live and others who watch throughout the day. And then on the podcast, there are scores of people who listen every single day. So thank you so much. Thank you for sharing this. Um, It's not about anything other than uh, sharing God's word and his light. So be sure and be that light today, both in what you say and what you do. Shalom, shalom. With God's help, we'll see you tomorrow.